0: A lot of times we were so afraid of any kind of intimate or serious conversation. And now there's some people in this life that get to experience maybe one or two miracles. We see them every single day mm. and embrace them. And just I, I'm just blown away. I'm just blown away. I thought I was going to get bored with Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> I haven't even come close yet.
1: I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's
2: the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North
1: Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Hiya, Sam. What's up, Don? Don. Well, you know,
2: in our area at speaker meetings, we speak for the whole meeting.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I grew up in (laughs) AA in that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This 10 to 15 minute lead that they do out here in California is weird to me. Yeah. It's hard to compact. When
2: I first got sober, three guys would come to my house and this would be my third meeting, a speaker meeting on a Sunday night. And my friend that was in AA and two other buddies said, we'll come by and pick you up. We walked to the speaker meeting that's right near your neighborhood. And it was about three blocks away from my house. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like the end of my life. I'm not going to drink anymore. Now i got to go to these meetings. How lame could this possibly be? (laughs) (laughs) And they come walking down the street, smoking cigars. Laughing like crazy, it's not the end of the world to them, you know. (laughs) And knock on the door, Don, get out here! And so I joined them and went to the speaker meeting. And afterwards, we would walk back. And I did that for a year with them every Sunday night. Mm -hmm. I bet you had some great conversations on that walk too, and especially from. Yeah, because we talk about, and one of the things they said, you know, if you're going to speak, I guess it's really about fifty minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, with all the tools and everything. But let me see, the meeting started at 8 o'clock, so you want to get sober by 8.30. Did the speaker get sober by 8.30? Because you <laughs> do not want to spend forever just talking about drinking. He want to hear about recovery. Yeah. And those kind of rules have stuck with me. But that very same meeting, so it was 20 years ago when I got sober, and I got asked to speak there again. Tonight,
1: I'm going to speak. Oh, that's so fantastic, Don! It's a real honor. I bet there's going to be a lot of people there too. I don't think. I there mean, there that will. meeting's usually packed.
2: Yes, it is, and I considered it. You know, I was I was flattered that they asked me to speak, and then realized it's Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> oh, that's why they need to get somebody who doesn't watch football to speak. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And this is not the first time you've spoken on a Super Bowl Sunday, right? No, I thought back over it, and it's odd
2: that I've spoken at this meeting three times at Super Bowl Sunday. So if it's Super Bowl Sunday and you need a speaker, I'm your
1: man. (laughs) I love it. That's so funny. A
2: little little
1: humility there, I think. Absolutely. You know, I got I gotta share something that I heard in meetings in North Carolina too. A lot of times the speaker meetings at eight o'clock in the evening in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and you'll never be alone again unless you're still speaking after nine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a you've caught you've had enough time. I mean, we've given you 50 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> How long does it take? <laughs> Absolutely. Although some of our stories, you know. We could well, go on and, I mean, Don, you and I have been going on about our stories for six years now. Yeah, and you know, it's odd. <laughs> <laughs> it Well, it's odd because we have the same
2: story. Unless we go back out, I've only got what happened to me to share you know, and those pivotal moments. And we tell our stories. And that's one of the things I think about on the podcasters. Like, have I told this before? I, maybe. I'm i pretty sure the answer <laughs> is yes. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not willing to get drunk to add to my story just for narrative purposes.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad to hear that commitment there, Don. I mean, yeah, <laughs> a commitment to sobriety. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I'm grateful to do it. One of the things I love about AA, like you go to a speaker meeting, you get to hear people's real story and what really happened to them in their lives. Mm -hmm.
1: AA is so much better than television. (laughs) Well, it's real. It is real. And I especially like to recommend speaker meetings to people who are new, Mm -hmm. because when I went to speaker meetings, when I was new in recovery, I got to hear the whole arc what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today. And I was able to relate to things and want things. It's like, I totally feel, I get what you're talking about, how you felt when it was bad.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: now you're talking about what life's like today. And that that sounds interesting. That's attractive. I want some of that.
2: Have you got an example of maybe something that you learned from speaker meetings? I'll give you one throwing your beer bottles into various trash cans was hiding <laughs> your drinking because I didn't think I hid my drinking <laughs> you just hid the evidence of it <laughs> <laughs> and I heard a speaker talk about that and that is my
1: alcoholism and you
2: know whatnot
1: that was hiding yeah I it was Ed M. he shared this statement of he could walk into a room of 300 people. And 299 of them would be happy to see him. Hey, Ed, how you doing? And one person would, just wouldn't say anything. And that was the one person that got his focus. Why does he hate me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I so related to that when I heard him say that. Yeah. Um. And that I think the relating to people was the biggest thing that I got and still get from listening to speakers. Well, all this talk of stories... I'm looking forward to hearing our guest story today. Who's our guest? Well Don today's guest is Michaeline F. We'll get to know her a bit and then we'll dip into the Ask It Basket for a question from the listener. Alright. Hey Don! How do I send Grapevine a donation? Since the Grapevine is self-supporting, we
2: don't sell ad space in our magazines, on our website, or in our podcasts. Grapevine doesn't even accept donations from AA members. What? If you want to support Grapevine, visit aagrapevine.org store.
0: Michaeline. I am definitely an alcoholic. I live in Gloucester, Virginia. My home group is the Mid-Peninsula Group, which was established in 1969. Oh. Yeah. My sobriety date is May 1st of 1984, for which I am deeply grateful to Alcoholics Anonymous, because nothing else ever worked. Michael Lee, did
2: you try other things to try to quit or control your drinking before you came to AA?
0: I inherently knew something was wrong with it. My first drunk and my first blackout happened when I was 15. And that's really the only way I know how to drink. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can relate to that. <laughs> when you were talking before about something you learned from speakers, mm-hmm. I learned because I always said I was not a morning drinker okay. because I did not hear the alarm clock go off and reach for a drink. But after I got into AA, I heard somebody say that if you drink all night long and into the next day, that counts as morning drinking.
1: <laughs> uh oh. <laughs>
2: Yeah, after hearing maybe 200 people talk, and everyone talked about their childhood, and I heard stories of people who had much worse lives than me growing up, just totally abandoned. And then I heard stories of people who had wonderful, loving parents who did everything for them and couldn't have asked for a more nurturing childhood, yet We all drank. And that's when I really got it that alcoholism is a disease and it really doesn't have anything to do with anything other than the fact if I drink it, it takes control and I can't control it. And that was a
1: revelation.
0: That tiger's out of the cage. Who knows where that sucker's going to go?
1: I can have 20 different people telling me the same thing. And it's the 21st person who tells me that says it the way that I needed to hear it to get it.
2: Right. Yeah. So what happened to you when you quit drinking and decided to come to AA? What inside of you broke?
0: Everything. Um, My last drunk actually started in December at a Christmas party. I tried to come on to my boss with his wife there. (laughs) Um, I took advantage of every free drink I could get. And for all intents and purposes, that drunk lasted until sometime in April. Wow. I just was done. I I was done. I was only 29 years old, but I had been drinking for 15 years, and I still had a job. I'd never been to jail, but I was just morally, spiritually, emotionally bankrupt.
1: So not a lot of consequences in your life. It was all
0: internal. Right none of the yet's really had happened to me it was all inside of me
1: I was experiencing that too and the the lie that I had going on for me was that alcohol was the only thing that made that feel better even though that was really what was causing so many problems for me was that was that happening with you
0: just a thumbnail summary I would lie cheat steal con manipulate or sleep with anybody at any time to be able to drink the way I had to drink. All of that together went against everything I had ever been taught in my entire life. And so I was in constant conflict inside my head and in my heart.
1: Did you know about AA?
0: I think I'd heard about AA in Dear Abbey or, but I called the phone number. I'd actually called it once before after a particularly remorseful drunk. And I was sobbing and crying. And, you know, how do you know if you're an alcoholic? Um, Which I found out later, social drinkers never ask that question.
2: (laughs) If you think you might be an alcoholic, (laughs) you are probably alcoholic.
0: Right. We're out in the country. The phone calls go to private homes. She told me at that time was try not to drink and come to the meeting. When I walked in, there was... A room full of old timers who just tucked me under their wing and never let go.
1: Can you recall walking into the meeting how it felt?
0: It was the most terrifying thing I'd ever done in my life. Why? Didn't know what it was. I wasn't sure what they were going to make me do, but I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And I had been told to ask for a woman named Ann. She started introducing me to the other people in the room. For the first time, I felt hope, and I fell in love with Alcoholics Anonymous from the get-go. There's something here. I saw those people laughing and teasing each other and also being very quite serious about recovery.
2: Was there some obstacle in the program, something that they asked you to do that you decided, I don't know if I really want to do that?
0: Surrender. They introduced me to the concept of my my drinking being I was powerless over alcohol and I could accept that part. That other part of step one, where it said my life was unmanageable. I had a lot of trouble with. I kind of split the difference. It's like, okay, God, you can have the drinking part, Mm. but I'll manage the rest of it. I'm good. I'm good. And so for the first two and a half years of my sobriety, the only thing I did right was keep going to meetings, but I didn't surrender. I wasn't working steps. I was still living with the same drama and insanity and bad behavior, except now I didn't have anything to blame it on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that adage of uh, what do you get when you sober up a horse thief, a horse thief? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. There's nothing magic about a year of sobriety. I married my best drinking buddy. He did not understand that funny little word monogamy. The culmination of which I held a loaded 45 on them and almost killed them both. Mm -hmm. That was the breaking point where I finally surrendered the unmanageability in my life. And I just, I literally threw myself to my knees uh, to the mercy of a God that I simply did not understand and said, I I can't take this anymore. And, uh, and I've never looked back. When
1: that moment happened, drastic moment of. Drastic moment, yes. (laughs) Yes. What was the next step? How did you do things differently?
0: I left that situation and I started uh, working with a sponsor actually applying the steps and the traditions to my life. When this surrender thing happened, it was almost like a physical release. I mean, I just threw myself in hook, line, sinker, both feet, everything. I just jumped right on in.
2: Michaeline, have there been any trying times or real
0: hurdles since you've been sober? Absolutely. In 2009, my stepson died. Uh, of an overdose after he had been in recovery and then rejected recovery, and that just mm. tore my heart out. It's not just it's not just the overdose thing. It was it's just not the natural order. Uh-uh.
2: Did it shake your faith in
0: recovery? Not even a little bit. In fact, it solidified it a little more because he had died of an overdose. Uh-huh. I just knew that recovery was the place that I needed to stay and keep my foundation solid. I stayed in constant contact with people from AA. I bumped up my meeting schedule. The rest of the family's answer to his death was to drink and drug and try and obliterate it as much as possible. So I definitely had to lean on my AA family.
1: It's an unexpected gift being a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, the way the fellowship shows up for us.
0: It is amazing. It never ceases to surprise me how well we embrace the tragedy of others. The following year, my dad called me and he said, Your mom is dead. She got run over by a train. Hmm. I'm sorry. I was like, holy And he said, yeah, I feel the same way. When I got off that phone call, I called my people in AA immediately because this was big. The cool thing that happened, because I was no longer enveloped in the selfishness and self-centeredness of alcoholism, my primary concern was to take care of my dad. Let me tell you, we had three and a half of the best years we ever had together. We had a ball. They knew I was in AA, but it was kind of like, don't ask, don't tell. But I decided that I was going to bring him into my world. So we had pizza nights with AA people and we had picnics and we had just the best time.
1: That's beautiful.
0: It was awesome. That is priceless to me. Yeah.
1: Thank you for telling us about that. But Michaeline, this week is the third anniversary of my mother's unexpected
0: death. I'm sorry.
1: The fellowship, the way they showed up. Yes. I was in the hospital for four days with her. It was incredible. Yep. Throughout that entire time and after. Um, I'm really glad we've got this. Yep.
0: Yes. That kind of embrace, because it's more than just a hug and a prayer. Oh, yeah, thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Um, There's way more to it.
2: It's really being there for each other. Yes. When my brother died over a long period of time, I was so devastated at the end of that. And I was actually so angry at God that it was difficult for me to pray But I was unwilling to totally give it up. So I would say every day, very angrily, please keep me sober today. I was enveloped by the people in the program. One of them said, look what happened. You did this nine-month period with him. And our relationship was repaired during that end of his life there. Oh, yeah. Like you said, we had wonderful times together. And someone said... You say that God wasn't there for you, Don. Look what happened. You were there for him through all that. And if I'd been drinking, I wouldn't have been there Right. Yeah. at all. It would have been too much. I'm going to get drunk. I can't even go to the hospital.
0: Or if you had been there, something really bad would have happened.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. And instead, I was carried by the program. And that's where God is alive for me is in the program it's real for me now
0: it is and when i'm in that much pain and and sam i'll say to you when i'm in that much pain the more hugs i get the more my pain dissipates with every hug somebody takes some of that pain and i just wouldn't trade that for the whole world
1: you know, my grandmother died at 98 years old. She, she like Queen Elizabeth, she won the game of life. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and And we had like 10 years together that were just absolutely fantastic. And mm-hmm. my mother died at 69. And one month after her death, we were supposed to be going for a week at the beach together that's the relationship that we had of being able to be around each other and really be mother and son and friends and it was fantastic and I got that because of AA
0: yeah well after all those years of don't ask don't tell after I brought my dad into my fold he would initiate a pizza night or after I took him to the first picnic (laughs) fast forward about 10 months and he was like don't you have a picnic coming up soon? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great.
2: Michaeline, what is sobriety like for you today? You've been sober a while.
0: A while. I still go to meetings. I'm very active in area service and in district service. I served as a delegate to the Virginia area in ninety-seven, ninety-eight we just took a trip last weekend down to atlanta to the southeast regional delegates get together it's a an introduction to the new delegates so that when they get to new york they're not just so overwhelmed and feeling alone they've met people they understand the process and that kind of thing and had a wonderful road trip i traveled with three other past delegates The conference itself was almost secondary. We had a wonderful Uh time. (laughs) I would love
2: to have been in that car. Well, Michaeline, it's time for the Ask It Basket. What's that? That's the name Bill W. gave the basket that was passed around for questions at conventions. We want your
1: questions for our guests. General recovery questions, newcomer questions, AA history. Basically, it's our AA AMA. A.A. Ask Me Anything. Got a question for the Ask It Basket? Call in and record it at 212-870-3418 or email it to podcast at aagrapevine.org. You can find these and more at aagrapevine.org slash podcast.
2: Today we have a question from Elizabeth, which I had the opportunity to record at an area assembly. And now let's dip into the basket.
0: Hi, my name's Elizabeth, and my question is,
2: what is the difference between an open meeting and a closed meeting?
1: What are your thoughts on that, Michaelene?
0: In the Virginia area, when we do the Ask it Basket, the past delegates who are present are the people who answer the questions, and we affectionately call it Stump the Chump. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. An open meeting, Elizabeth, is a meeting that anyone can go to. Um, We have nursing students or doctors in training or people who don't know whether or not they do have a problem with alcohol. We've also had members of the clergy. Um, Anyone who is interested in any aspect of alcoholism or Alcoholics Anonymous can come to an open meeting. Closed meetings are reserved for those people who already know they have a problem with alcohol, and whether or not they are willing to admit to being an alcoholic, they at least understand that maybe they're powerless over alcohol or that it is a definite problem.
1: Why do we have the two different kinds of meetings, do you think?
0: I think closed meetings tend to be a little more intense in the answers, maybe even a little more personal mm-hmm. rather than a little more generic in the open meetings where you're not exactly sure who's there or why they're there.
2: I see two reasons for open and closed meetings. And I had a problem with this. When I surrendered mm-hmm. and called my friend who was in AA and said, I need to go. an AA meeting. It's time. He said, wait a minute. That was a Monday. And he said, there's a meeting tonight, but let me check, see whether it's open or closed. And I thought, what is this? Some kind of club? It felt exclusive and it really bothered me for a while till I learned what it was about. And now I'm quite comfortable with both types my home group switched from being a closed meeting to an open meeting recently because I think so many of the home group members thought that it was being exclusive When we want to be available to everyone. And in fact, the reason years ago we changed was because we had school teachers there who didn't want their students or parents of students to show up and be able to identify them that is a really good reason to have closed meetings because some people need to protect their anonymity. So the closed meeting really serves some people.
1: It really does serve. Those terms, open and closed, maybe there's a better descriptor that we can be using mm-hmm. because I've heard over the years so much confusion. Well, is a, a meeting's closed? Why is it even published? It's closed, it's it's folded, it doesn't exist. It's just that initial confusion of when you consider how publicly listed our meetings are today with the fantastic meeting guide and the 12-step meeting list plugin that is on so many websites for uh, AA intergroups and central offices and such. The meeting guide app. Exactly. Anyone can look up where meetings are in their area and that's going to show open and closed meetings and the websites are good at describing the difference between the two if someone looks at that. It's a lot to ask someone brand new. Exactly.
0: I remember back in the day I was at a closed meeting and some people came who were not alcohol and they asked them to step outside. And they took a vote in the room on whether or not to allow those people to stay. One person said they were not comfortable with it. They very gently asked these people to leave and told them where some other open meetings were. It's the only time I've seen that happen. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if uh, what would happen right now. We're much more involved with inclusivity.
1: So I was at the beach with friends in South Carolina. All but one of us were alcoholics in recovery, and the only meeting that was available was a closed meeting, and we wanted our friend to be with us for the evening, and so we took him. It was one of the most selfish things that I've ever been a part of because as we sat in the meeting... And they started introducing everyone around the room, introducing ourselves. We just told him to say, I'm so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And he did. So first of all, selfish, asking our friend to do this thing. (laughs) To lie. Yes, (laughs) to lie. We were like, don't worry about it. You know, That's the only thing you're going to have to say. And then the chair of the meeting calls on our friend to share. Mm. I, I am feeling this right now of how badly i felt in that moment he did not belong in there it was wrong of us to do that to him and it was wrong of us to do that to that to the rest of the people in that meeting that's so- i learned a lesson there that's something i will never do again
2: yeah that telephone call that my sponsor made he was re- a couple of years and I, and he didn't understand sobriety very well at the time cuz in fact I had a feeling that I had a problem with alcohol, which means that I was welcome at a closed meeting as well as an open meeting.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. Closed meetings for AA members only or for those who have a drinking problem and have a desire to stop drinking. That's the wording on the district website for Greensboro, North Carolina.
2: Yes. And so I had a desire to stop drinking. I had a problem with alcohol. I had just never been to AA before. So I would have been welcome at a closed meeting. So that whole conflict didn't really need to happen, but didn't quite understand it. And that's because these terms are a little bit confusing. So I think you're right, Sam. We need some different terms. (laughs)
1: Let's start a campaign. Well, (laughs) you know what? I'd like to hear from others what they think about this. That's a fantastic idea. Folks, we'd
2: love to hear your thoughts or experience on open and closed meetings. Give us a call at 212-870-3418 or
1: email podcast at aagrapevine.org. And you can also uh, send us a question for the Ask It basket there because, wow, Elizabeth, that was a very simple question. And look at the fantastic conversation you sparked. Thank you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Michaeline. thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much,
0: indeed. It has been my pleasure.
2: The Grapevine is looking for your story submissions. Midlife Sobriety.
1: Stories are due April 15th, 2023. Share about some of the challenges you've had after eight, 10, 20 years sober. Have you ever nearly relapsed? Did you ever stop going to meetings or disconnect from AA? Have you ever been a dry drunk? How did you get back on track? What helped you may help someone else. Share your story by April 15, 2023 via aagrapevine.org share.
2: into their liquid lunch. One drunk says to his friend, uh, uh,
1: she, 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 she said, what? Don't even. I, I already told you more than I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.